Should we get started? Let's go. Let's let's crack on. It's okay. A day in London. What's it like in um, in San Diego? It's also a, a beautiful day here in San Diego. Um, so it's amazing when we both have good weather here. So let's get cracking. Um, off. It's a pleasure to be with you here. And just want to set a little context for our listeners. So we're really just um, out here wanting to contribute in our own ways to a lot of the conversation that's happening right now in the business space, uh, but also the things that we're not thinking about, the things that we're not talking about. So we, we want to have a very frank conversation uh, where there might even be some <clears throat> couple bad words that are mentioned here and there, a couple swear words, um, but it's really just more in the spirit of off the cuff, no corporate pretense. You know, what are the ways that we can really just have a free conversation that's going to serve ev all, all, everyone listening to this and uh, hopefully, if this is uh, something that you want more of, we're going to continue these dialogues on very specific topics. So that's the spirit is really being of service, having an engaged, lively conversation, and really looking at the things that we're not really talking about so much out there, or might be more in the blind spot of executives, teams, industries, uh, the economy, uh, a lot of interesting topics we're going to be covering over time. So first, I just want to introduce Af. You want to say a little bit about who you are and how you got to be here right now? Yeah, sure, Rick. So listen, thank you for putting this together. I'm delighted to participate in this because um, Rick and I have been sort of uh, with our creative minds been working on putting together something, especially after COVID, something that allows us to connect with audiences and friends and family and colleagues and investors and futurists and so on out there who are in our network, in our extended network. So delighted to be here. A little bit about myself. I'm currently engaged in something that I'm uh, very passionate about, which is um, what I call Growth Enabler. It's a business I built four years ago. And uh, it's a technology company that is disrupting and transforming the way uh, the world makes decisions, executives make decisions about uh, the startup economy and the digital economy. And um, I started this, uh, you know, on the back of a corporate uh, career that uh, was with an organization called Gartner for many years. Some of my Gartner colleagues, ex-colleagues will be on this call too. And um, spent many years in technology with various companies like Fujitsu and in fact worked for Sir Alan Sugar in my first job uh, many, many years back. And my passion in life right now is to really rethink or help the world to rethink uh, business economics, talent, and um, the ethics that surround all of these themes. Mm. And today's call and many other calls like this will be about bringing in executives from the market, from the industry, to talk openly and freely about issues that bother them. And we want to try and make it as authentic as possible. It needs to be a dialogue and a conversation, right? It does, mm. it's, it, it's not one of those boring webinars where I'm reading a PowerPoint presentation and pressing next slide, uh, God forbid. So I think we want to make this as, as real as possible. And I'm delighted that you've given me this opportunity and uh, through serendipity and destiny, we've come together. So let's kick off and uh, please describe what you do because your, your world is, is um, absolutely unique and, and transformational in itself. Yeah, thank you. So I'm, an, I'm the author of Decisive Intuition and I have been an executive coach and business coach for many years now, working with executives and companies from all over the world. Uh, many different industries, uh, from corporates to uh, startups in Silicon Valley. And so that's part of my passion is helping people really overcome their 
challenges in the ways that they're not thinking and seeing and some of those dots connecting. And so a lot of my passion is how do we connect with that intuitive intelligence that we all have. And I see this as an amazing moment in time where there's so much noise and the signal to, to, the signal to noise ratio is very poor. There's so much static out there with all the media and news cycles. It's really hard to tune into that inner wisdom and connecting those dots. And I see this is the most important time to ever do that. So my background is more from a psychology perspective that then went into the business space and has seen all the ways that this applies to furthering our mindset, our leadership potential, how we manage teams and get the most out of people. And so I'm really coming from this passion around how can we leverage digital and the human together? So let's get started. Let's go. Okay. So today's topic is a controversial one. It's around the coronavirus, and we want to look at it from a different angle that is normally spoke of. Uh, and the, the normal narrative that's out there right now, of course, is, and this is actually real, is, you know, this, this is a devastating virus that is, it has halted the world, and it has crippled the economy. And we all know that we're going to be seeing the repercussions of that even more in the coming months and perhaps year or two that's being forecasted. So this has really devastating uh, consequences for everyone. And I also want to say that there is the viral pandemic, but what I also notice, and we talk about, there's also the fear pandemic. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of fear and sensationalism also happening in the media. And it's an incessant news cycle that actually hurts our immune system when we take in so much of that kind of same information all the time. And there's a way that we can get into our own fight, flight, or freeze response and lose that faculty of how to be even more creative, innovative, and adaptive as leaders. And so that's what we wanted to look at today is what are actually the hidden benefits? What are the things that we're not seeing and talking about right now, given this great challenge that's in our face yeah. for all of us around the world? How do we need to be adaptive right now to respond? What should we be thinking about? So off, let me kick it to you. Um, what are some of the things that you're seeing as patterns with some of the executives you're speaking to, the businesses you're working with? What are some of the, the uh, hidden gems and the upsides that we're not talking about? Yeah, thanks, Rick. So, you know, I want to talk really openly about this because um, there, there is a mixed sort of demographic of people on this call who've joined us today. So I presume they're going to be executives from enterprises, large companies. There will be academics, there'll be policymakers, entrepreneurs, and others on this call. So I want to try and reach out to, to everyone on this call and try and provide a viewpoint that uh, resonates. So, so what are we seeing out there? And by the way, I totally, I totally want to reiterate the point you made around the devastation and the, I see this as a human tragedy. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible time that humanity is going through, business is going through, um, there is confusion there is fear, there's panic, uh, there is all sorts of scaremongery, there's, you know, God forbid I'm using the, the terminology that uh, a few other people do sometimes, but there is fake news. Um, and, and I think we need to cut through all of that and slice through it and, and get to the point as to what next and what are the implications and consequences of, of this pandemic. Uh, there, there are some terrible, you know, examples and scenarios that we can pose, but today is about some level of positivity. Today is about optimism. Today about, is about uh, realism to some extent as well. So I want to start by what I'm seeing out there and I want to play the digital card, right? You play the human card, the humanity card. So let's say digital transformation and human transformation, right? Yeah. Uh, 
For me, digital transformation is something that I've been close to and passionate about for a number of years. I left the corporate to build my own company. I started investing in businesses because I, I fundamentally believe that change is imminent, change is the, the default part of existence. And uh, if you're a Darwinian follower, you know that adapting to society and what comes at you is the only way to survive and to thrive. And so as a result, you know, four or five years ago, we've been preaching and, and it is preaching. You know, these, are, these are almost sermons that we were, we were transmitting out to the CEOs of large companies, sharing with them that you know, the devastation of digital or not going into digital is going to be immense. And we used to talk about disrupt or die four years ago. We were talking about you know, um, the archetypes of digital, you know, how they're, those who are dwindlers who don't change, those who have the appetite to change become Darwins, and those who are driving change and leading it at the forefront are disruptors, mm -hmm. right? And, and I'll probably share some slides as we're going through this in, in a natural format. For me, digital disruption is going to be accelerated at warp speed. Uh, all of the predictions, all of the forecasts by pundits and futurists and, and folks out there who said, well, if you don't, digital, if you don't go digital, you die. Um, if you're a company that's not adopted the unit economics of platforms, of APIs, of data, of mirroring models like Google and Amazon and Tencent and Alibaba and, and Airbnb and so on and so forth, you will end up becoming um, out of date, you know, and um, your lifespan, your life expectancy will diminish. In fact, Harvard, Clay, Clayton Christensen, late, the late Clayton Christensen, who I was a big fan of, with his agency Innersight, was researching over years the almost a time series study on the life expectancy of large organizations event large enterprises and he discovered that the average life expectancy of these companies is, has gone down from from 33 years back in 1963 to expected uh, 12 years by 2025 or even single digits if, if, if there's some you know big shifts in in the world and what COVID has done really has accelerated uh, that process. So more and more companies that have not adopted digital will die, will, will lose formation, will um, lose customers and eventually sort of dwindle away. And a lot of people, the downside is a lot of people will lose their jobs. And with, with COVID now, with this pandemic, that entire process is going to get accelerated at, at, such, a, at, at such a level that um, I think it's going to cause it's going to cause executives to rethink uh, what's what's um, lined up for them next. You know, how do they continue to increase their stock value and be as employable? How do they attract the best talent, which has been a problem pre-COVID? You know, large yeah. companies, traditional companies, were coming to us and saying, "Hey, AF and team, and you know, back back at my company, Growth Enabler." The questions we used to get was, well, how do I attract the best digital talents? They all keep on going off to the Googles and the Amazons. I can't seem to attract them even with the biggest salary packages. What do I need to do? And of course, that question is even more pertinent, profound, salient now than ever before. So I believe my, my hypothesis, the prediction really, is that the pandemic will make things hard at first for big companies, but there is a way out. Mm -hmm. And the way you get out of this is by upgrading your skills, mm -hmm. by keeping your mindset and your perspective towards life and business as open as possible, almost open source mm -hmm. in technology terms. Mm -hmm. And 
this quiet period, if I don't know if it's quiet or slow down or working at home period, is an opportunity for every person on this call to revamp, to reset, to upgrade their skill sets and their, their understanding of business, politics, economics, technology, and everything that comes together. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I just want to, there's one thing I do want to share, actually, um, if I can find it, which, which it's a quote, and um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Alvin Toffler, and he's written some fantastic books. Uh, I don't know if you can see my screen. Can you see yeah. my screen? Yeah, I can. Yeah. So yeah, this is brilliant. You know, just read this out. I'll read it out aloud. So the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn unlearn and relearn mm. and this pretty much sums up if you know if if there's a version of yourself before covid and there's a, there's a new version that you're building and this is something that's terribly important right now you've got to accept that change is coming your way you've got to think about um the next job you might want to do that might have the word digital in it perhaps or directly or indirectly li linked to digital you might want to think about what you're going to teach, who you're going to hire, um, and how your business model, I'm speaking very much from the standpoint of the enterprise right now, how your business model is going to migrate towards being digital end to end. Um, and it's not hard. What you're really doing initially is you're mimicking the tech titans. You're mimicking the platform-based models that are out there. You're mimicking the challenger banks. And then you're building on that to create something that's unique to you, you know, and I, I, I was talking about, um, Rick, I was talking about the different archetypes of digital, you know, and I just want to share this with the folks out there. You can screenshot it or whatever. But if you look on the extreme right of this slide, we, we used to talk about and we still talk about this concept of dwindlers that I touched on. And there were many who came and died and, and didn't make it the blockbuster stories, the Nokia stories, the you know, the uh, Kodak stories are, are very, very common. But then there are those who accepted that they're going to change. And, you know, I want to give an example of Vanguard. If people are familiar with Vanguard, it's a huge investment organization and one of the best out there. And Vanguard, JP Morgan, Schwab, all of these companies that were, you know, grew up in with the traditional business models, regulated industries, realized that they've got to bring in digital technologies like robo-advisors and all forms of automation to change the customer experience. Whether your customer is the consumer or it's another business, frankly, it doesn't really matter. You've got to bring in new ways of interacting and engaging. I mean, look at this. We're sitting on this video platform right now, mm -hmm. you know, and this event has compelled us to go out and reach out to thousands of people and try and give them a little bit of this inside knowledge. So, uh, you know, you've got to ask yourself a question. Are you a dwindle? Are you a Darwin willing to change? And do you aspire to be a disruptor? Do you aspire to be like those Amazons and Facebooks and, and, and Tencent and Alibaba's out there who have dominance, you know, their collective market cap is running at over 7 trillion right now. This, this archetype model and the thought process around learning and unlearning, I believe is something that is very important for the audience to know and start to think about and reflect on. So let, let me say, three, let me say, if I can, let me just yeah, uh, tell you something about this slide right here. What it has me think about is, with dwindlers, there's people, we all know people right now out there that keep thinking, oh, we're going to go back to business as usual at some point. Just yeah. another, another few weeks, another month, let's just wait it out, but we're going to be all be going back, don't worry. And I think to me, those are the dwindlers who are ignoring that it's not that the rules of the game have changed, 
the game has changed. We are in a different era. And I think the Darwins and disruptors who get that are going to be the successful ones because they're going to be able to adapt to intuitively, they're sensing, wow, this is a different climate. There are going to be some businesses and industries that permanently shut down. There are going to be other ones that rise that we haven't seen yet, like a phoenix from the ashes that are just now getting created. And so if you're a leader or manager, whoever you are right now listening to this, how can you think about what are the ways that you need to be adapting right now in real time? And how can you even take that even one step? How can you start getting even more proactive than just adapting? But where are you being called intuitively? Where, what, is, what is your sense and your faculty showing you you're being led toward to, um, to lead? And it, it might not be leading in, in, in your business necessarily. It could be at home. It could be in your community. There could be yeah. many creative ways you're being asked to show up right now. Yeah. And I think there's never been, it's incredible what's going on. There's never been a time in our lives, and hopefully we won't see this again to this extent, where we've had this, this pause, mm-hmm. call it a pause, yeah. where, you know, you're going back to the core of, of who you are. You have an opportunity to self-reflect. You have an opportunity to reconnect. Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity to re-engage you have an opportunity, opportunity to inspire, uh, to re-energize, mm-hmm. and uh, almost re- reposition yourself in the world as someone new. It's almost that, you know, it's, it's that skin that, for some of us, we love the way we look and uh, we're, we're super satisfied with where we are in our lives, and others who may not be as satisfied. They've always wanted that change. They've either wanted to come out of that corporate job and become an entrepreneur, or stop being an entrepreneur and become a corporate again, or you know, do whatever that makes you, what, that makes you happy. And yeah. I do really genuinely think this is, this is the upside of this event is that it's giving us that time to stop, to pause, to reconsider. Uh, exactly. As people and as businesses, both, both are intertwined. Yeah. In fact, uh, we just had this in our news, news yesterday, I think it was. Uh, Chris Cuomo is one of our most famous newscasters in the States. Um, and so he just actually said he got, he got coronavirus and he's been sick at home. And it's been giving him that pause button moment to reflect on his life. And he actually said, you know what? I'm not enjoying my job. I'm quitting. I don't enjoy doing what I do as a news anchor anymore. And, yeah. and so, I mean, if, and he's one of the most prominent news anchors that everyone knows in the U.S. So that's just one example of how all of us are being challenged to look at what's actually most meaningful for me right now. How does this, how do I use this pause button moment? Am I only going to fill it with Netflix and being busy and just trying to eat a lot of food and get by, which we all do need some time to relax. And I totally get that. Especially when oh, we're in a state of panic, right? Or, or the whiskey or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the Manhattans. Yeah. Uh, but how are we really using this time? Are we using it to educate ourselves, to better ourselves? Sometimes we do need to rest. And that is the best thing for our system. Um, but are we doing that mindfully? And so that's where I want to bring in the human element also. So there's the digital element that you're speaking about often. I totally agree that leaders and and companies need to be getting literate and hip on the digital landscape as soon as possible. And yet, what's the digital in service of? It's for me, it's in service of humanity. How can we actually be even more connected with each other? How can we be even more closer together in our communication? Mm. How can we collaborate even more creatively? And to me, that's when tech is at its best, is when they really come together to serve that mutual purpose. And so that's what excites me on this, 
is that I'm seeing the leaders are being challenged not just around digital, but also these other skill sets. For example, my intuitive intelligence. How do I connect with my deeper instincts and intuitions? Because I can't keep up with all the data I'm being flooded by. Yeah. It's overwhelming every moment. So I have to be discerning around what data do I let in and what do I you know, leave at the door? Because there's a lot of bullshit that's out there also. And I have to be careful not to get hooked by all the media bias and be able to see beyond that and really get a little more clear about what do I know in my experience to be true? And, and how do I use that wealth of wisdom that I've accumulated with my industry and my space and my company and the people on my team? And, and if I don't know, how do I get more curious about that? How do I ask them what they're needing right now remotely that's going to help them thrive? How can I remove the obstacles that are in their way right now? So how can I redefine myself as a leader? How can I reimagine the way that I'm leading right now? And what is COVID doing to shine the light on a new way of showing up that's going to be more effective? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we talk, we talk extensively about the intuitive capabilities that we've all got, right? I mean, in your book, Decisive Intuition, you've researched... Um, and gone into a lot of depth around human capacity and capability to preempt, mm -hmm. to even anticipate things to some extent by, by tapping into your intuitive um, self. And I do think that many of us have lost that, by the way, because of the passage of time, journey, life, in effect. And many of us have rediscovered it, you know, through uh, experiences, meditation or mindfulness or various other life changes that we've made. And I think what's happening with COVID also, and you touched on it, is that there is a lot of, look, news is in all form factors, right? And you have negativity and you have positivity. But I do think that because of social media, as much as I love digital and I'm a, I'm a huge champion and promoter of it, I do think that social media in particular and these various messaging platforms, if not monitored and governed in the right way, can be um, breeders of disinformation, right? And it can cause anxiety and panic. And when you have so much noise, to your point, it takes you away from your intuitive self. Right? I've experienced that myself, you know, we all have. And I think you, sh you shared something with me the other day, which was essentially like a media chart where- I don't Actually, know I, I have that here if you want to take a look. Please. Yeah, I think yeah, you yeah. should bring it up. I think you should bring it up because yeah, me. It's, it's, uh, it's important. And I think- um, Here we go. Yeah, there we go. Why, why, don't you, why don't you just describe it to the folks on the, on the call? Yeah, so um, there's a great company called AdFontis Media, and they did a research project last year looking at all the different biases that we have in our media. And they looked at it in a couple different areas. One is, which of our medias are biased more towards the left side of the political spectrum? And which ones are more slanted towards the right side of the political spectrum? So you'll see that here. Mm -hmm. As well as, um, which ones are actually more fact-based? And they actually did a whole research on fact-checking around that. And then which ones are more fictitious and just made up stories? Like the Inquirer down here is probably the most famous for probably 30, 40 years now. It's always been like that smut magazine that's on your, in your grocery store before you check out. You know, like, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin had babies with aliens, like that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> so that's way down here. Uh, but then you get higher up to see like what actually is credible and maybe even more centric, where it's not leaning too left or too right. Because we all know, at least in the States, CNN is, and MSNBC is way biased to the left. Fox News is way biased to the right. And so you're going to only be in your echo chamber, and it's going to only confirm your, your realities 
if you only subscribe to those, those agendas. And so how do you actually be mindful of the calories that you're taking in? Are they empty calories or are they nutritious calories? And here's a little more of a zoomed in version of the top tier. And you'll see BBC actually is not so bad. Um, it's pretty, it's a little bit left of center, but it, um, you know, and it's got a little more facts. Uh, there's still some better ones, but I was, I was impressed. I thought BBC was, was scored pretty well here. Are you surprised by that? Yeah, I mean, I, it's fantastic to see BBC there because it gets lambasted by uh, different nations for, for you know, the, the, the content it produces. Um, I, what I find interesting about this, though, is that back to what are the benefits of the situation we're in, right? As difficult and, and horrible as it is, the upside, like I said, is, you know, you, you've got an opportunity to pause and reconsider. Mm -hmm. uh, for enterprises and opportunities to accelerate digital, right? Really, some of them didn't want to do this. You know, they were happy with traditional business models. Uh, the insurance industry, the financial services industry in, in general, you know, numerous CEO conversations and C-level conversations I recall over the last five years have been about, well, listen, I don't need to change. I'm making a lot of money. Um, we have a 150-year-old industry. We don't need to change. Um, and, right. and, and I think this event has forced businesses and enterprises to, to change. Um, yes. Even, even the dwindlers, I mean, some of them will die, but many of them will be like, crikey, holy shit, I've got to, I've got to shapeshift fast yeah. and move into the Darwinian phase. And I do think that's positive because if they do that quickly, they'll save jobs. Right. Yeah. And, and, and look, people, people have been talking about a recession for two years now, strongly. All the yeah. top experts have been talking about a recession. I don't think anyone knew it would look like this, but we knew something was coming. And so how do you, like, where do you put the blinders on right now versus yeah. where do you really open up to all the conversation around you? And you have to use your intuition to sense where are things moving? Where are the trends occurring? And if I yeah. don't pay attention to that, if I don't have a conversation with my C-suite around that, then I'm really doing myself a harm and my company harm. Yeah. I want to say, I just want to say one thing. There's a, the, there's a question that keeps coming my way when I do when I travel around and I'm having I'm having these conversations about um, this new reality that we all are experiencing, mostly from executives, and they they sort of say, "Look, so what would you do then? How do we ensure that our stock value as uh, you know as an executive continues to increase? How do we stay more relevant? How do we um, build great teams and ensure that the talent mix in our organization is?" representative of our digital vision or our strategy and it's a difficult question and there's no straight answer but a, but a simple thing i would say to executives who are on this call as well is look hack if you want to get back into uh, the digital game or you want to excel or exceed um in that game there, there's one very simple thing you can do for starters you can start engaging with digital disruptors and startups for that matter and join advisory boards of these companies to truly understand what it takes to build a disruptive, agile, maverick organization. And through that learning, uh, there's osmosis that happens. You take it back into your large enterprise. It defines your thinking process, how you make decisions. It um, enables you to revamp things. It enables you to build in new processes and automation like you never thought you could. It, it goes back to that Tuffler quote, opens your mind up. Yeah. And I think it's an important upside that you have to seize. I mean, the, the benefits aren't going to, you know, knock on your front door and say, hey, I'm here. You've right. got to go yeah. approach them and seize them in some way. Exactly. So, you know, and that's terribly important. I'm conscious, we should be going on for like an hour, but I'm conscious like we're running out of time. 
I know we're running out of time, but I'm going to, let's sneak in five more minutes. And if okay. you have to go, you have to go and you can see the replay. But I think we, there's five more minutes. There's one more thing I want to get to here. And let's see if I can get there right here. Here we go. So I'm going to do a little poll with everyone on this call. And this is, this is a really helpful diagram for me is looking at, we've been doing business as usual for a very long time, especially the dwindlers as, as off shows us. And so there's a way where we expect things to be constant forever, right? Even though we know we need to be adapting, we get, we get stuck in our ruts. We get stuck in our comfort zones. And so we fall asleep behind the wheel and we stop asking questions. We stop challenging ourselves. I've seen this a lot in a different corporate cultures where they're so big, like a cruise ship, it's hard for them to change on a dime when they need to uh, with all the bureaucracy and what have you. And you get comfortable in your ways. You lose that startup mentality. Yeah. But what happened is we shot right from comfort zone to panic zone. So panic zone is what we've been feeling this last month where um, could I be getting sick? Um, are my relatives okay? Uh, is, is my, do I have a job tomorrow? And then and there's real issues here that are having all of our amygdalas getting hijacked, our reptilian brain, and we're going right to that panic zone. And the problem of when we're in panic for too long, not only does it hurt our immune system, but also we stop taking in new information. We stop being creative. We get into a survival mentality. So how many of you right now are in a panic zone still? How many of you are in a comfort zone where you're still kind of in this, ah, it's still, everything's okay. It's going to go back to normal. And you're, and you're trying to use that as a coping strategy perhaps. But honestly, how many of you are still here in some way? And then how, do, as your leader, how do you get people in the learning zone? How do you keep them in this place where you talk them out of panic you connect with them, you, give, you, you listen to what they need, and you help their anxiety come down and give them some sense of certainty with their role or with their tasks or their project that they're focusing on. So how can you do that as a leader? And, and this is the sweet spot. If you can keep people where they're not just comfortable falling asleep and they're not in panic, they're in their learning zone. This is where that intuitive capabilities come alive. This is where your innovation and creativity come alive, where you see things new, and the cool thing here is it's not always comfortable to be on the leading edge. But that's where magic happens. That's where experimentation and trying things different and breaking things fast and learning. That's the sweet spot. And so I want you to, we're, we're going to do a quick poll right now. And I want to just get a sense of where are you located in that? And so as I pull that up. Should we do the poll too? Yes, we should. Here we go. Cool. Okay, so here's the poll. So I'm just curious, um, this is a chance to vote here. Um, where, what zone are you currently in, honestly? Um, are you in the comfort zone? This is all anonymous. Comfort zone, learning zone, panic zone. Where do you put yourself? Click on the poll now. Okay, we're getting a lot of votes. Wow, I'm, I'm surprised so far. Um, so far, it's mostly learning zone and very few people in the panic zone. In fact, zero so far. So we'll end the poll here. I guess that's why they're on the webinar, right? Okay, so here's the results. Uh, and so high, definitely learning zone scored the highest, which is probably why you're on this webinar. You intuited uh, that this is the kind of conversation that you're having already or need to be having right now. So this is fantastic. And just think about your colleagues, your contemporaries, uh, people that you know in other, you know, other enterprises. 
and, and just take, taking a look. Are they in panic? Are they asleep behind the wheel? Or are they in this kind of innovative space? So as a leader, what do you need to do to keep people in that sweet spot? Any last words off as we wrap up today? Yeah, I mean, you know, I wish we had more time. I, th I think um, I just want to close off by saying we want to do more of these sessions. Maybe we should do them for a longer period. Mm -hmm. And we'd like to invite senior executives from large companies, startup founders, investors, policymakers even, to these discussions. So we're going to be doing a lot more of this. It will be out there on LinkedIn and various other social channels. Please keep joining in and, and sending this out to the masses. If you want a copy of the slides, drop me an email or drop Rick an email or a message. Happy to share those with you. And uh, there's so much more to discuss. I mean, the next call, we should talk about, we should really talk about um, human and digital transformation in terms of skills. Like what skills do you need to, to bring on board and learn to be relevant in the, in the 21st century or in a post-COVID world? So... Um, Thank you for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure and thank you for having the patience to listen to us and, and more on this channel as, um, as, uh, as time goes by. So we'll see, we'll see you soon. Thank, thank you, Rick. Yes, and I, last thing, I just entered the uh, media chart uh, research and map on, on the chat box here. So if you want to take a look at that yourselves, you can take a look at that. Um, but yes, thank you, uh, Rajan and Linda and Chandras for your comments here. Um, it's really helpful to hear how you guys are adapting and what you're mindful and aware of in, in your spaces. And off, always a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, you know I, I love you. And um, please send us, if you have certain topics that you want to hear us talk about, if there are certain areas that you're seeing that you want more attention on, uh, let us know. And we're happy to cover that in our next episode. Thank you all. Over and out. Rick and off, 30 plus five. <laughs>